Hallelujah. Everybody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Did y'all get a little wet this morning? Just a little bit, huh? Just a little bit. I was thankful. I was up in the hotel room and and I heard the wind start howling. I said, oh, dear Lord, we don't have everything in the truck yet. And so I ran downstairs and my lovely wife had already pulled the truck up underneath of the canopy, had already loaded everything up. I think she deserves a hand clap this morning. I'm telling you right now, that, that just, that, I came out, I was going, I'm going to be drenched. I'm going to be soaked through like a drowned rat and walked out and they were dry. She had had the premonition to get out there when the rain was coming over the horizon and get into the truck and so I am thankful for her today amen you gentlemen thankful for your wives they help us out every once in a while don't they every once in a while there's a uh, (laughs) hallelujah well I want to run over a few things with you this morning I've spoken to uh, sister Grant and brother Grant and talk with pastor about this and in feeling this, knowing that it's the 29th, knowing that this is the last Sunday of the year, uh, how many of y'all had an amazing Christmas? You had a great Christmas. We had a great Christmas, amen? Uh, wonderful Christmas time. And right about now is where all of the parties are starting to be over and the things of that nature and the celebrations. And so uh, we want to start thinking towards this coming year. And uh, it's always been a part of me that when we start crossing over into that new year that that you just dedicate. And uh, in, in reality, it does not, I mean, January 1st is really no different from December the 31st. There's not like something that happens in that nature. But the world in an, enti- in an entirety uses a new year to begin to start new things. And so we've just always used it in that manner as a way to start new things and a way to refocus in a way to, to redirect, if you will. And so uh, in feeling this and knowing that it was going to come forward, I just want to, and then I'll get into, my, into the teaching here in the next few moments, but, uh, and I shared with Sister Grant last night in speaking with her, I said, you know, normally I'm not going to teach along these lines, but every Sunday morning you have heard a theme come through that uh, those are not messages that I have stored up that I thought, man, these will all fit perfect together. Uh, the Lord's been giving me those messages and, and impressing them upon my heart. And so one of the themes, if you, if you will remember, the flow of God's Spirit is pushing us into a direction. And I want you to make notice or to see what's going on. If any man follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, right? You remember that one? You remember about purity. You remember the first message on purity, that we purify ourselves, that purity comes before the promise. And so to remove out of our hearts things that don't need to be there. Uh, Denying our flesh, uh, the cross removing from us the things that hold us back from our future. The flesh of Jesus Christ was the only thing keeping him from his destiny. And when he hung on the cross, his flesh was stripped from him and he entered into his destiny, what he was created for, amen? And so we know that he said, you've got to have a cross. And so 
called unto liberty last week. Use only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Condemnation comes through walking after the flesh. Amen. And so we 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 learn that flesh lusting against the spirit, and that we begin to start resisting. And if we can just be honest right now, how many of you all have ever resisted God? Raise them up high. Be proud of it. Don't be proud of it, but be be honest about it. We have all dug our heels in the ground before, and I find, and I'm leading into what we're feeling, but I find that the more that I have, the more that I have appeased my flesh, the more that I have done what I want to do, the more that I feel like digging my heels in when God is saying, let's move forward, let's go this way, let's do this. And so the problem is not God. Many times the problem is us. We, but if we realign ourselves and we kill the part of our flesh or we mortify what Paul would say, we mortify the deeds of the body or our members which are upon the earth, then we set ourselves up to not resist God but to follow after God. And so in doing this and coming to this, I spoke with pastor and pastor's wife last night and explained to them what I was feeling. They said, we concur, we concur but uh, we are going to fast this coming week. We are going to fast two weeks in a row uh, moving into this. I've always found out that when I fast, my want to comes back. Have you all ever experienced that? I just really don't want to pray right now. <laughs> I just really don't want to push in church right now. I'm cool with the way things are going on. Amen. Anybody ever experienced that before? Raise your hand. Let's be honest. Okay. Excellent. So when I fast, I find out that my want to and my passion comes back. And I'm going to share something with you in this that the Lord spoke to me when I was not feeling the same way that I, would, that I had been feeling before. I had lost my motivation, if you will. I had lost my drive. I, I didn't know where, I still wanted to, but I just didn't know where it had gone. The Lord spoke this to me, and if you want to write this down, it would be very important because this is one of the most powerful things that the Lord has ever spoken to me concerning fasting. He said, do not count on inspiration or motivation to continue what only crucifixion can keep. In other words, he said, you can't count on a new book. You can't count on a set of services. You can't count on those things to continue what only crucifixion can keep. What I was talking about is my want to had gone. And I was going, God, where is my want to? Where's my desire? Uh, God, give me a new book. And I was sitting in service and I was going, God, put a new book in front of me, something that will inspire me again to do, the, to do those things that I need to do. And the Lord spoke it to me and said, you cannot count on motivation or inspiration to continue what only crucifixion can keep. What he was telling me is he was saying, you want your want to? You're going to have to crucify something. 
But you're not going to be able to keep that want to if you start pulling yourself down off the cross. Amen? And so I feel like it is necessary. Pastor and pastor's wife, brother and sister Grant, feel like it is necessary. I have worked before. Many of you, I know that your husbands, some of you ladies that are here, uh, some of you ladies probably work jobs that are very demanding. I've worked in the construction field. I understand how demanding things can be. Uh, the construction field can be uh, and the workload that you're under. And so what I felt to do was to break it up into two weeks. And normally we try to do a seven-day fast at the beginning of the year. I understand that for some that might not be feasible. We don't want anybody that has health concerns or uh, if you have some type of diabetes, you have low blood sugar. We don't want you to try to do the entirety. My wife has low blood sugar. We found that out. She can't fast for three days in a row. She would pass out on the floor. We would have a health concern on our hands. But what she'll do is she'll fast one day, and then she'll eat the next day, and then she'll fast a day, and, then, and she won't eat just everything she wants to the next day. So we understand that there might be health concerns involved in some of this, but if you can, we are working, we are planning to do this as a church body to fast the first, that's New Year's Day. Is anybody thankful that we did not start it on New Year's Eve? Y'all, y'all aren't happy about that? I figured that y'all would be happy. You know, we took, your, we took your eating habits into consideration here. You know what I mean? I didn't want to fast on New Year's Eve. You know, I knew we were going to be eating on New Year's Eve. Maybe we do need to fast on New Year's Eve. Maybe that'd be the, amen, okay? But we're going to do it on New Year's Day. A lot of times, many people are back to work at that time. You're, you're back into your routine on New Year's Day. Uh, so we're going to fast New Year's Day and then Thursday and Friday. And then we will break it. That will give you uh, Saturday to be able to eat with your family. Hey, come on now, somebody. We're making this as easy as we can, right? You can eat with your family. Sunday, you can eat with your family. You can enjoy your family time together. And then we're going to come back in and we're going to fast Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then that will be the end. We will break it on Saturday, of course, together or, or, or as individuals. And then we will be back in church on that Sunday. Is that all? Does that sound like a pretty good? I mean, fasting doesn't sound good at all. But if you were to say, you know what, that sounds like a pretty good fasting schedule. I get to eat on the weekend. I get to be with my family, enjoy family time, and yet still we're going to get some flesh under control. Does that? How many of y'all think that's a pretty good schedule? Just wave your hand if you would say, out of fasting schedules, that's a pretty good schedule. Wave your hand. I'm looking around to see who's waving their hand right now. You're not going to wave your hand, huh? You say, fasting, I don't like it any way it comes. I'm with you, brother. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. But if you will, if you will do this, I want you to raise your hand and just say, Brother Carney, uh, I want to do this, and I'm going to do this. It's going to be murder, but I want to do it. If you can just raise your hand up high, Sister Grant has stepped out. But I want you to look around right now. Keep your hand in the air, and I just simply want you to look around and to see who has their hands in the air. There might be some that has medical reasons. That's fine. The reason why I'm saying this part is because of this. Call that person. Some of you know each other. Call each other and say, hey, remember, we're fasting on Wednesday. We're fasting on Thursday. We're fasting on Friday, and I'm just going to clear this up right now. 
Some of you are going to start out Wednesday morning. You're going to jump into a big old McDonald's uh, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich, or you're going to jump into uh, some tacos or something like that, some tacos and salsa, and you're going to go, oh, I forgot we were supposed to fast today. Well, that's ruined. I'll just start tomorrow. No, just put that taco down. You just, you just got to cheat just a little bit and go the rest of the day, amen, and you should have an easier day, and that's going to count as well. Does that make sense? So anybody that messes up, I've done it before. I've put food in my mouth, and I've started chewing, and I've said, oh, Lord, I'm fasting, and I had to go around a corner and, and, and spit it back out. So uh, those things are going to happen if you're not used to fasting. If you're not used to doing it, you're going to feel some of the headaches of caffeine. Uh, if you want to drink coffee, drink coffee. I can't normally drink coffee past the second day. I can drink it the first day and the second day. But the third day, just a tiny bit, makes me start shaking, shaking all over the place. So you do it however that you, that you see fit. Is that all right? And I know I've taken a lot of time, but I'm going, to, I'm going to get into the message that I have for today. Amen? Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 through 28. Uh, and if you want to stand for the reading of the word very quickly... We are going to read this, and then you can be seated again. Uh, does anybody have, you know what, real quick, does anybody have any questions on fasting? Uh, that you're wondering wondering how, to, how you should do it. If there's some of you that are dealing with low blood sugar, do a Daniel's fast. Uh, cut things out, only eat soup through the day, or something of that nature. Uh, normally, it's a water-only fast. But you know what? I, I like coffee as well. Uh, if you need to do juice, it's up to you. You don't have to say, I'm going to do water only. If you want to do juice only, do juice only. But just do something to where we are decreasing. This is the best way. You want to know how to take up your cross? You want to know how to crucify yourself? Put, put aside that food. Push back that plate for two or three days and you'll feel like you're dying. Amen? And we know that we can go like a month without food and not die. But six hours of me pushing back the plate, and I'm going, oh, dear Lord, I think I might faint right now. So you have to do, if you need to do juice, do juice. If you need to do a Daniel's fast during the time, just pushing things back, eating soup, do soup. But do something that is decreasing what you want. Might be a good time to push back on social media and to not partake of those things. Amen? Uh, to where we get into that. So I've taken a lot of time this morning, and I have about 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes at this point. Uh, but I want to get into this and get as far as I can into this into the scripture this morning. Genesis 32, 24 through 28. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he had prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, 
What is thy name? I want you to see what's going on here within this place beside the brook. He says, Jacob wrestles with the angel. The angel touched the hollow of his thigh, (coughs) and the hollow of Jacob's thigh is out of joint. And then he starts saying, let me go. The angel starts saying, let me go. The day is breaking. And he says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And then the angel, or what Jacob would say, I've seen the Lord face to face. What is thy name? And Jacob has to respond unto the Lord what his name is. Now, before this, the blessing that he asked for was from his father. And when his father said, what is thy name? He said, Esau. Esau is my name. But there's one thing. When you are standing in the presence of the Lord, you cannot fake God out. You have to tell God exactly who you are because he knows who you are regardless. It's funny. I think it's funny sometimes when we don't want to confess our faults and our sins to God as if he is not omniscient, all-knowing, knowing everything. He knows everything, the end from the beginning, the ancient things, from things that have not even yet happened at this point. And so God knows everything. And so here Jacob is at a moment in time to where he is faced with the challenge of owning up to his own shortcomings. And in owning up to his own shortcomings, he releases himself into the future that God had before him. And so he responds unto God and he says, I'm not Esau. I played Esau a few months ago, a few years ago. I played Esau, but I'm not Esau. I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. And so at that moment when he said, I'm Jacob, the Lord spoke to him and he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. But Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. I want to teach to you this morning off of this title. A new name for a new day. A new name for a new day. We are standing right here in a place to where all things are become new. At a point in time in in our lives to where we say, you know what? The past is behind me and the future is in front of me. So wherever you're at, and I just want to preface this, wherever you're at this morning, whatever has gone on this past year, we can approach God and we can say, listen, I want future. I want change. I want deliverance, and God is the God that will provide that for us this morning. Amen. Can we raise our hand? Just ask him to bless this right now in the name of Jesus. We come before you. We ask that you would bless this. We ask that you would anoint this by your hand, and in your name do we pray. We pray that you would do the the, the miraculous. We pray that the gifts of the Spirit would be released to speak into every heart and into every mind. Lord, I pray that we would be filled with an, with an authority, that we would be filled with an empowerment, that we would begin to step forward unto what you have before us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and everybody shout amen. 
Clap your hands unto the Lord as you are being seated. Amen. You can be seated this morning. So, looking at this, I want to take the similarity of what Jacob and where Jacob is at at that moment, at that moment in time. He is, he is at a brook, the brook Jabbok, and he is getting ready to meet his brother Esau. The brother that he is dreadfully, uh, uh, he, he is dreadfully afraid of, if you will. Uh, it is not a simple meeting, but it is a meeting of two brothers, one of which deceived the other one out of an inheritance and a blessing. And so it is not just any meeting. It's like it's Christmas time and, and, uh, and, and a sibling that you stole. You didn't just steal a doll from them, but you stole a million dollars from them. Now, if you steal a knife from me or you steal uh, a doll from one of my children, that's all right. But if you steal a million dollars from me, we're going to have words, okay? You and I are no longer friends at that moment. Right then, when that happened, you're not my friend. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. Y'all act like, well, you should be a Christian, my Christianity would be placed on hold for a few moments until I could get to a prayer room and try not to kill somebody. Amen? I, I thought I was preaching to the right group here. I thought I was, I was speaking your language right there. And so the meeting of Jacob and Esau, Jacob is meeting Esau, and Jacob has stolen his million dollars. He's stolen his, his position. He has stolen his pride. He has stolen his, uh, his place, his, his inheritance in life, his respect. He has taken all of this from Esau. And so it is understandable that Jacob would be a little nervous at this time. But where you see that Jacob is at, Jacob is literally standing in the middle of this. He is standing at a place to where... Uh, he has past and he has future. He is standing in a place and I want you to see and I want you to imagine where he is at. Jacob is standing at the threshold at that moment underneath of that tree beside the brook. Jacob is standing between an ending and a beginning. He is standing there from that reference point in history and, geo and geography, one part of Jacob is going to become dormant and another part of Jacob is going to come alive. And Jacob did not know it at the time, the importance of the place that he was standing. As it being New Year's and coming into a new year, I thought it only uh, correct to, to speak this and to teach this. Because Jacob at this moment in time he made a decision on whether or not to continue to be who he had always been all of his life or to take the opportunity that was presented to him and change and get into what he had always desired, uh, what he had always wanted to have happen within his life. I want you to notice something at this point. Jacob has received the blessing of God. He has received the inheritance. He has received the firstborn rights that were passed from Esau to him. But if you would notice 
the vocabulary of Jacob. In verse number 25, excuse me, verse number 26, he says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Now, if Jacob has already been blessed by his father, when his father laid his hand upon him, when Jacob put the hair, the, the, the skin, the fur on his arms, smelled like Esau, cooked the venison as Esau would do, and his father speaks to him, transfers the inheritance, transfers the blessing, and speaks that blessing over Jacob's life, why is it that Jacob would then, when he meets God, say, I will not let thee go except thou bless me? If you, you've got to bless me, God, there's something that's going on here. See, Jacob, in the midst of his failure and in the midst of all of the fear that was going on and a part of Jacob's life, the, the first blessing was ill-gotten and deceived into obtaining it. And so here Jacob is going, you know what? I just don't feel like what has been promised to me is really mine. Has anybody ever felt that before? I know that it's mine, but I don't feel like it's, well, why don't you feel like it's yours? Well, because I got a lot of red in my ledger. I've got a lot of mistakes and a lot of failures that have, that have racked up in my life. Hey, man, anybody else ever been there before? I feel like I'm blessed, right? I feel like I'm blessed. I know that I'm blessed. Excuse me, I know that I'm blessed but I don't feel like I'm blessed. I don't feel like I am who I'm supposed to be. And so Jacob, in this instance, is sitting there between an ending and a beginning. And if I can, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. And I'm not just saying this because it is New Year's. In fact, the Lord put this message in my mind over another one that I was preparing. And I feel like the Lord is saying, you are peace tabernacle, you are sitting, you are standing, you are living right now at this moment between an ending and a beginning. And whatever you do is going to determine what becomes dormant and what stays alive. There has been things, and I'm just going to jump into this. I know I'm teaching, but I can't help but be a little inspired by the Holy Ghost this morning. There are things that you have had that need to be dormant. There are things that you have allowed to live within you that you need to allow to die on one side of the river. In other words, you need. there's some things that have come out of dormancy and have started to live and grow in your life. The flesh. You have allowed some things to begin to well up within my heart. I've allowed some of my flesh, I've allowed some of my want to to get in way of God's want to. And so I've got, I'm, I'm at a point right now, right here at this moment, that I, can, that I can either allow those things to become dormant again, and in doing so, I will cause the spirit within me to live again. Last week, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. 
so that you cannot do what you want to do. So how do we get over this? We do not walk in the flesh or walk after the flesh, but we walk in the Spirit or after the Spirit. And when we begin to put our flesh down, it allows the Spirit of God to rise up within us. Amen? And so at this moment, we are standing at a place of decision. And like I said, don't just discount this as a New Year's Eve or New Year's message or something of that nature. I really do feel that. I feel that you are standing in a place to where we've got a choice to make. Do we stay the same that we've been or do we grow? Do we stay where we have always been or do we grow? Do we get better? Do I stay going along the same direction as a church body and as individuals? Does my prayer life stay the same as it's always been? Does my commitment and dedication stay the same as it has always been or are we standing in a place right now that if we begin to say, you know what, I'm tired of living as I have been living. I'm tired of not seeing what we could be seeing. You know what, four or five years ago, I get it mixed up, but the Lord spoke to me and said, you've gone as far as you can with what you've done right now. In other words, if you're going to see anything else, you're going to have to grow past the point that you are right now. There's going to have to be some things. I didn't know it then, but the Lord spoke to me something, and, he, and I thought it was cute at the time. I thought it was beautiful. I thought, my God, that's revelatory. That's mind-blowing. But the Lord spoke to me and said, I, talking about me, I will be the biggest thing that you ever have to get over. It won't be alcohol, it won't be drugs, it won't be women, it won't be lying, it won't be stealing. Those things aren't going, it's not going to be prayer, it's going to be your flesh. And he spoke that to me. He said, listen, you're not going, listen, all these other things that are tribulations, um, all these other things that are anxieties to you, uh, uh, conflicts within, uh, uh, between individuals, those aren't the things um, that you're going to have a problem getting over. I is going to be the biggest problem within your life. And folks, um, I... Five years ago, it came to me, the Lord said, you can't do it with what you're doing right now. You're going to have to do more. You're going to have to grow. There's going to be some places within you that are going to have to die. Now, I had a decision to make at that moment. I could either stay exactly the same, and that's what the Lord spoke to me. And I feel like, I feel that this is all inspired by the Holy Ghost right now. The Lord spoke to me and said, and it was not a rebuke. He was not rebuking me, church. He was just giving me a point of information. You're as far as you can go with where you're at right now. That's what he was saying. It was not ugly. I did not feel that he was being ugly to me. I did not feel that he was being condescending to me. I felt that he was telling me, Bubba, You want to see more things than what you've seen, but you can't see them with where you're at right now. You can't see them. You can't obtain them. They're past your reach. Now, if you want to see them, you're going to have to go further than you've ever gone. 
You're going to have to grow past the point you are in right now. And so I sat down and I contemplated. And I said, okay, God. And it was like he said this. I, I, I felt the impression. He said, you can stay where you're at right now. And you'll still see people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You'll still see people. You'll go into places and people will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You'll still see spontaneous every once in a while. You'll see a healing here. You'll see a healing there. Every two, three years, something will happen. But that's as far as you can go. That's it. That's all. And I started contemplating. And I said, is that good enough? Is it good enough? He said, you can stay on the evangelistic field for the rest of your life if you want to. You'll be in full-time ministry if you want to. It's not going to change. But you've just seen as much as you can see with where you're at right now. And Sister Grant, I wanted to see other things that I felt had been promised to me that I had not yet obtained. Five years ago, I stood in a place, and today I am standing in a place as we speak, saying, I, want, I don't want my past, I want my future. Right now, today, right now in my personal life, I am standing in a place to where I am saying, you can either take what you've always had, you can either you can continue in what you've always done, or you can die out, you can put your flesh up on a cross, you can allow some things to become dormant, and when you do that, I'm going to spark something within your spirit, and something's going to begin to live. I feel it right now in the Holy Ghost. You need to hear, I want you to raise your hands right now and say, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh Lord, begin to let something move within my heart. Oh God, let something stir within my soul, God. Don't let me sit here. Don't let me sit here. Don't let me be the same. Don't let me stay the same. I want to change, God. I've seen too many things. The inheritance, the blessing is much greater. I don't want to just have a falsehood of it. I want to walk in it. I want to move in it. I want to talk in it. I want to operate in it, God. I want to see blinded eyes open. I want to see deaf ears unstopped. I want to see a city begin to pray through. I want to see a city begin to come in and not just receive the Holy Ghost, but let roots grow down so deep into this church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to experience. I'm talking to the church right now. If you're here right now, I know we got Sunday school teachers upstairs. But right now you've come and the Lord is saying, I'm pressing you and I'm calling you out. 
I'm pressing you and I'm calling you out. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to start agitating you. See, the thing about it is, is God will begin to agitate. He's not going to let you stay in the same place that you've always been when you've got a dream in your mind that says, I want to see more. He's not going to do it. I want, you to, I want you to see what's going on in the scripture this morning. And I'm going to be careful not to go over my time. But I feel the Holy Ghost here. I feel the Spirit of the Lord inspiring us. Jacob, Jacob was sitting by himself on one side of the river. Now, what Jacob had done all of his life was he had ran from Esau. Jacob lived in fear being the recipient of an inheritance. Did it just get too real? You have an inheritance. And how many of us have, have lived in fear in the midst of us having this great inheritance. Here Jacob is at, and I want you to see this because I want to prove it within the Scripture. Jacob living in fear. Jacob running in fear. So Jacob's prayer in verse number 9 of 32 says, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saidest unto me, Return unto thy country, to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. This is Jacob praying to the Lord right now. This is Jacob expressing his heart to God. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Least he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. In other words, I'm afraid of Esau. I'm scared to death of him that he's not just going to kill me, but he's going to kill my wives and my children, that I will be completely and utterly wiped out, and I am in fear of this. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He begins to recite his father Abraham's prayer at that moment. He starts bringing it back up before the face of God. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. So he's getting ready to meet Esau. He is standing between a past and a future. He is standing between an ending and a beginning. And he takes 200 she-goats. I want you to push, picture this in your mind. 200 she-goats go out before him. 
20 he-goats go out after them. 200 ewes and 20 rams. I want you to see this parade that's getting ready to go out. First the goats, then the sheep, 30 milch camels with their colts, 40 kine and 10 bulls, 20 she-asses and 10 foals. And he delivered them unto the hand of his servants. Every drove by themselves and said unto his servants, Pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. In other words, keep them going forward. Let there be a space in between each party that you send out. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When he saw my brother meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou? Who are you that's coming toward me like this? And whither goest thou, and whose are these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau, and behold also he is behind us. And so commanded he the second and the third and all that followed the droves, every manservant that went with each set of the droves. He said, they are Jacob's. They are a present for you. They are a present for you, Esau. This is a present from my Lord Jacob, thy servant Jacob. And ye shall moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he saith, I will appease him. Listen to this. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face. Peradventure he will accept of me. In other words, maybe his wrath will be satiated by the present that goes over before him. Maybe I will appease him. But even then, Jacob, did not have faith within the prayer he prayed to God nor in the present that he could prepare himself. Neither one of them did he have confidence in because at that moment he sent all them over. He rose up that night and took his two wives and his two woman servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford Jebek. And he took them and sent them over the brook, and he sent over all that he had. And Jacob was left alone. In other words, he sent over everything else he had. And then because of the fear that was crippling his heart, He sat on the other side of the brook. He let all of his possessions, he let all of his wives and his children go over before him, but yet he did not go over. He sat in fear and in unbelief, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. God is not going to let you sit in your fear all by yourself. We have always said it, and I'm going to close in two minutes right here. We have always said it, that the the, the tenacity and the Christianity of Jacob 
that he wanted it so bad that he was willing to wrestle with an angel. He was so willing that he stayed on one side of the brook all by himself because he was afraid of what his brother Esau would do. He wanted it, but there was something within him that would not let him go over. There was a fear. And so what God did is God met Jacob in the midst of his fear. God showed up where Jacob, he was, in in other words, I mean, this is a man we're talking about. If anything, the man should be at the front. Am I in the right place? The women shouldn't be going over his treasured prized possessions. Women are not possessions. Don't you all get me wrong here this morning. Got to make that disclaimer. But it was from his heart. He should not have let them go over before. He should have been the one leading the charge. But we find him cowering back in fear and unbelief. And the Lord comes up and he says, Okay, Jacob, I see the promise that is upon you. And I'm not going to let you stay where you're at. And so the Lord begins to engage Jacob. And there wrestled a man with him. A man, an angel stepped on the scene and started antagonizing Jacob. And Jacob starts wrestling. And then somewhere in the midst of it all, Sister Grant, it turned from him trying to resist and dig in his heels to say, listen, I know who you are now. And I'm not going to let you go except you bless me. I've been living with a promise. I've been living with an inheritance all my life. But I've never felt like it's been validated. Would you validate my inheritance? Would you validate my dreams? Would you validate who I am as a man? And the Lord said, okay, What's your name, boy? Who are you? Not who you're pretending to be, but who are you? And at that moment, he lifted up his voice and he said, I'm Jacob. I'm the supplanter. I'm the manipulator. I'm the deceiver. I'm wrong. But I want my I want it, and I need you to validate it, God. And the Lord looks at him and says, I see your desire. Your name's not going to be anymore Jacob. And he touches him in the hollow of his thigh. Notice and remember, Jacob was a runner. Jacob, he, he ducked out of situations. He stayed on one side because maybe if Esau starts falling on him, I can take out of this place and I can get away with my life. And so the Lord says, I'll bless you. But in blessing you, I'm going to take away from you the thing that's been stopping you. The thing that's been hindering you. So from that moment forth, Jacob could no longer run when he prayed. He had to trust God that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. At that moment, see what God's trying to do, and I'm closing here, and I know I'm going over my time, but I've, I've got to speak this. What God's trying to do is he's saying, listen, you've got a choice. And if you'll let me, I'll paralyze the part of you 
that keeps wanting to resist me. I'll paralyze the part of you that keeps wanting to run from me. And if you'll let me do that, I'll change your name. You will not be known anymore for what you have been. You will only be known as Israel, a prince of God. Interesting enough, a prince is somebody that carries out the will of the king. And he said at that moment, you're Israel because you're going to do what I want you to do and not what you want to do. You're going to do what I call you to do and not what you want to do. See, folks, we've got to get out of this mindset that it's what I want to do. Wednesday, you're going to start feeling that. There's going to be a touch in the sinew of your flesh. On Wednesday, it's going to feel like murder. You can't tell me that when that shriveled up that it didn't cause Jacob pain. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You're going to feel some of that beginning to go on, but I'm telling you right now, if your dream is important enough, and if you want to get out of where you're at right now, and begin to move into what God has set aside and is just waiting to pour out. It's going to happen. Stand with me all over this place. I want you to raise your hands one more time. And I want you to just move in the Holy Ghost right now. Lord God, we've got one minute, one minute to pray right now. I just want you to lift up your voice and say, Oh Lord, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it and I'm willing to crucify my flesh in order to do it. I want to behold things that are greater. I want to I want validate who I am. Send us into a future, oh God. We want to see it and I'm ready. God, right now, I just want you to tell the Lord, I'm ready. I'm standing between an ending and a beginning. I'm standing between something becoming dormant and something coming alive. Oh God, I, I grab a hold of you this morning. Lord, lead me and guide me. Lord, remove from me the things that will cause me, that will cause me to falter and fail. Remove from me the strength of my flesh. Remove from me, oh God, and lead me in to a place within your spirit where we can see all things that we have desired. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it, folks. It's going to be worth it. Let's clap our hands to the Lord this morning. You are dismissed for the next few moments. I'm sorry to keep you over, but we felt it. Does anybody feel good in the house of the Lord? Amen, amen.